Welcome to the Cascade Church Portland podcast. We're a church that works to be both safe to be and safe to grow through our commitment to intentionality, diversity, curiosity, prayer, and advocacy. Enjoy! for these. Let's see them. Should, should we see them? Let's, let's see okay. them. Okay, let's take a look. By the way, this is Lindsay Bong. I'm Connie Baker, and uh, we're going to be having some fun today just chatting between... Okay, some of you about prayer, you're like, yes, let's do this. <laughs> do you love this baby? Happy, oh, warms my heart. Let's talk about prayer. There have definitely been seasons in my life like that. Another one. super excited all right very fun I love these baby pictures they made me so happy and then there's really skeptical don't know Mm. little bored disinterested Mm. let's see what else yeah (laughs) whatever oh I love that one so much or maybe just scared (laughs) <laughs> Why are we talking about this? I'm having too much fun with this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And just, no, no, please no. Okay, I want to say that all of those are legit. We have, we have permission to be where we're at today on this topic. We have permission to be excited, to be really grateful for what's really, I think, going to be a nourishing, good series. And you have permission to be really reactive on a negative end, to say, oh, this stuff has baggage for me. So permission today. Do we right where you're at. And if Connie gives you permission, yes. we're good. Well, then we're fine. We're good. Uh, yeah, no, so I feel like sometimes we have basic questions around, am I doing it correctly? Maybe I'm not hearing a voice in response to me talking to the God of the universe. And so I must be doing it wrong. Uh, maybe we feel like we're maybe not holding ourselves in a posture that's correct. Yeah. If you look at biblical art, it's usually um, an angelic face kind of gazing upward. And then usually hands are, well, Connie, hands are usually here, though. Oh, hands are here, yes. Or if the anguish one, it's more, yeah. right? Yeah. So I feel like um, the question is this, what is the best posture for prayer? Physical, mental, spiritual, all of that. So Connie found a really good clip to share, specifically around prayer, around mealtimes. Well, and this has to do with posture, but it also has to do with timing and what do we pray about. Okay, before we do this clip, let me me just give a little disclaimer. We're going to have a little fun this morning, and we're probably going to be a little irreverent um, about this topic because I think it needs it because some of us... Some of you who are new to the faith or new to church, new to this idea of prayer, you're going to be like, okay, I guess that was funny, or maybe not. Um, But this is for everyone, and and even the sermon is, I think, going to be helpful for those of you who may be newer to say, oh, this might be some of the stuff I come up against when I do this prayer thing over the long haul. Um, So this is a clip of John Christ, and some of you might know him. And he is hilarious to me because he knows how to poke at the idiosyncrasies of our subculture. And uh, so I'm going to go ahead. And this has, these are the rules. Oh, my gosh, listen carefully. These are the rules around the timing for praying at meals. Okay. Today we're talking about pre-meal prayer. 
Very confusing subject. A lot of people don't know when to pray, what to pray for, how to pray, who prays. Hey, do you want me to, should I pray? You wanna, should we pray? I don't know if, all very confusing. We're gonna cover it all today. Let's get started. Chips and salsa. Sometimes they bring it to the table before you're even seated. There's no need to pray for that. Lots of people wonder about appetizers. Do you pray for them? Do you not pray for them? No prayer is necessary for an appetizer if you have entrees coming out later. Salad, that is the most confusing thing on the prayer continuum. If it's a side salad or an appetizer salad, no need for prayer there. Now, if it's a main course salad or you're bringing it out with the rest of everyone else's meal, that then is gonna require some kind of prayer. But I put that kind of in a separate category. For the most part, when you're thinking about salads, just remember this, if it requires dressing, it doesn't require a blessing. Do I pray for coffee? No, are you a psychopath? No one wants to be next to the person at Starbucks that's praying over a latte, you weirdo. Soup, do you pray for soup? Do not pray for soup. It's only bowl-related soups. Anything smaller than that is always off the hook. I like to say if it comes in a cup, no need to lift up. Everyone knows if you order a hamburger, that's gonna require prayer. But if you order sliders, that does not require prayer. It's a little glitch in the system a lot of people are not aware of. Potato skins, no prayer. Baked potato, prayer. Ask any Bible-believing Christian, they're gonna have a different policy on fries. Some say never eat the fries. Some say eat as many as you want. Here's the policy on fries. Up to three fries is acceptable to eat prior to the prayer. That brings us to dessert. Always a very confusing situation. A lot of times people go out to a show, go to a movie, hey, should we grab some dessert afterward? Yeah, let me get the creme brulee, I love cheesecake. Ugh. You don't need to pray for that because you've already prayed for your meal earlier in the night. Do you hold hands before you pray? That depends on your situation. If it's a personal family gathering, some close-knit Bible study of some sort, sure, a hold hand wouldn't be uncomfortable. Now, if you're on a Tinder date, that might throw off the mood a little bit. Most of the confusion surrounding pre-meal prayer comes from when to actually pray. Let me just say, on behalf of waiters, all over the world. Please pray when your waiter is not there. There's nothing worse than a waiter coming out with two full arms of fajitas and you're over there mid-prayer Jabez. Like, what are you doing? Last but certainly not least, who at the table volunteers to lead the prayer? Lots of people say the man should lead the prayer. Why is that? I'm not sure, it's 2018. Maybe we should get that rule adjusted at some point in the near future. A lot of people operate under the most spiritual person at the table. They're gonna be the one that should pray because that prayer is gonna be the most powerful and effective. So if you got obviously a pastor, a missionary, even a Christian blogger of some sort, shoot, even a volunteer youth pastor. That prayer is gonna be a little less effective, but it's still gonna qualify. If you're just an average person sitting at the table with obviously more spiritual people around you, you're kind of off the hook because I feel like God would be like, hey, how come y'all didn't bless this meal? You'd be like, I don't know, ask the pastor, he works for you. So the laughter means you relate. Some of you get that. Oh, seriously. <laughs> Connie, you going to be okay? I'm, I'm crying. That's too <laughs> So not only do we have some time frames in which to pray, and appropriate time frames, we also have some kooky language oftentimes. So uh, sometimes we are talking to, to God as though we live in the Old Testament. And I rarely use words... Um, in Old England. Yeah, even better. Yeah, that's, mm -hmm, right. 
So we don't talk that way with our peers, our partners, our friends, but sometimes we feel that maybe to be the most effective, we need to talk to God in that language, which is kind of kooky. I don't know why we do that. Yeah. And I feel like we have some phrases and words we use. One of my favorites is when you need, you're up against something tough, you ask for a hedge of protection. Is anyone familiar with that one? It's weird, right? Like, I'm wanting a bush to protect me from, like, what kind of bush are we talking about here? Like, uh, Lindsay, have you used that phrase? I sure have. <laughs> the thing is, is when we're talking about this stuff, it's funny because we've experienced it on yeah. both ends. We are yes. guilty of talking weirdly mm -hmm. in prayer. Yeah. And so our whole goal for today is to kind of unpack our barriers to prayer. What are the things that we're doing that are kooky or weird? Because um, we don't want to be kooky and weird. But well, also, what's preventing us from connecting with the God of the universe? And we don't want shame or guilt because the stuff that we're poking fun at, we've talked about this in preparation. We've used these phrases. We've done these things. So, And they're not intrinsically bad. I don't think it's wrong to pray a hedge of protection. What we are... What we are poking at here is to say, how can we step back and actually question what we're actually doing and saying? Yeah, so I feel like Connie and I both have some stories of our own about prayer. And for me, uh, I grew up in a church, and we had the salvation prayer. That was a really important prayer for our community. And the salvation prayer, if you're not familiar, is to say... Um, God, I have sinned. I recognize that you are the Savior. You are, um, how would you say? What, how does it go? I kind of forgot. Ask Jesus in my heart. Ask Jesus into my heart. Um, please forgive me for all my sins. I need to get into heaven. Right. That part's kind of like left <laughs> off, but it's really why we're saying that prayer. Mm -hmm. And it's why I said that prayer 100,000 times as a child. Uh, I always had this fear that maybe I was saying it incorrectly or maybe my heart wasn't really in it. I wasn't sure how to, to gauge. How can you tell if your heart really meant those words? But I do know that I was very afraid of going to hell. Yeah. And so that is one way that prayer, if you've grown up in the church, you've been around here for a while, prayer can be kind of abusive or controlling or tricky. So that's kind of my negative experience. But there's this other side that I've had a really beautiful, positive experience of experiencing prayer as um, a crowd to God when I'm in, in anguish. I am really desperate. I need help. I need hope or peace. And uh, for me to experience that, to truly feel peaceful and hopeful and connected and seen and loved by God, that's on the other end of the spectrum, right? And so we're approaching you today no noting that not only are each of us as individuals on different places on the spectrum, but that as individuals, we've experienced the whole spectrum lots of times. And so where we're engaging with you today might not be where you are, but maybe it's where you've been or where you might be in the future. Yeah. And it's not where the person next to you maybe is with prayer, but, you know, we're just kind of all over the chart. And I think that there is there's something appropriate, not just appropriate, uh, good and positive and constructive about being different places at different seasons with a topic in our spiritual life of a topic like prayer. It's okay. It's a good thing. Um, in, in child development, 
children go through equilibrium and disequilibrium. You start watching that flux in little kids, and it's quite obvious sometimes. They get really cranky for a few months, and then they're like, you're an angel, and then, no, you're so cranky. Equilibrium and disequilibrium, that's part of growth and development. So that's really wonderful, and I think equilibrium and disequilibrium with prayer is another. It, it is a growth process. It's not, the goal is not to stay in this uh, perfected state of prayer. That's mm -hmm. whatever that is. By the way, little commercial. We're gonna we're gonna deconstruct prayer a little bit today. Next week, I'm super excited because Kurt is actually going to be defining and exploring this thing called prayer. So so we're not even gonna define this. We're just gonna take our presuppositions today of what prayer is and poke at them. So. Yeah. So Connie, would you want to share your story of prayer? Yes, I would. I would like to share it. <laughs> um, Thank you. It's a good one. Thank you. Um, when I was in ninth grade, I did a major turnaround, and I, it was a real time of spiritual awakening for me, and I remember journaling my prayers really consistently through those early years. There was probably some should in it, some obligation, um, but really, my memory of it is that it was quite rich. It was grounding and it was, I wouldn't have used that word back then, but I, it, it centered me, it kept, it, it clarified my focus, and it was really a beautiful, good thing. Then I got um, into Bible school, and uh, then more baggage got piled on this idea. What? No, that's crazy. <laughs> I know, how crazy is that? Um, and I remember watching my peers do index cards where they had index cards for every day of the week that they would do in intercessory prayer. Does anybody else get hives when they hear the word intercessory prayer? That's a tough one for me. That's a trigger point, okay? Uh, and so I would say, okay, I need to do that then. And I would do this praying through, and it would last maybe a couple weeks, and I would just want to crawl out of my skin with boredom, and then I would feel so guilt and shamed, and oh my gosh, I'm not spiritual. And so then it really started kind of happening. Then after some of you uh, know my story of uh, religious abuse in the church, and at that point, all bets were off. After that happened, I, on a very experiential, subjective level, I didn't hear from God for three, four years. I mean, black, dead silence. Prayer was, what's up? Never mind. I mean, that's about what it, what it felt like for those years. And so th that, the deadness and disappointment was devastating, and it was a very slow build back for me to say, Ooh, what, what is this redefining of this thing called prayer? So that's a little bit of my journey, some of the ups, downs, ins and outs. So as we're talking about this, this feels not boring to me. And this feels like an experience that maybe we all can relate to, whether we have a religious background or not. And so kind of one of the barriers that we have is that prayer is not important. It's boring. It doesn't really accomplish anything. And maybe it's been used to hurt or control us. I'm a little off. <laughs> you give me I'm the tracking. look. You give me the look. No, I'm tracking. Uh, but maybe prayer is seen as mystical, weird. Maybe you feel like you need to kind of earn the right to be a prayer. Like the guy was talking about, um, if you're a pastor, those prayers are going to count. But if you're not, oh, they might not count. <laughs> and so we want to have... Less effective. <laughs> less effective. Oh so we want to have um, honesty about these barriers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
we feel like healing and growth require honesty. And so to be very clear, uh, we don't want to add shame. We actually want to reduce shame that you might have about not being a good prayer or praying enough, whatever that might look like. And we want to instead give an invitation to explore maybe what are some things that hold you back from this way of connecting with God. Um, we want to grow in healthy ways, and we know that being honest with where we're at with this topic mm -hmm. is going to be the nurturing, fertilizing ground to grow in. Definitely. We, we need that. You know, before we get, I want to I back up just a little bit. Before we get to what our actual barriers are to prayer, because that's really the core of this discussion, because all of us have them, right? I mean, it's part, um, have you ever had a barrier to communicating with your spouse? You ever had a barrier to communicating with a friend, to your child? Yeah. This is, prayer is a form of communication. And so we're going to have those barriers. But I have to say, I want to I wanna poke about, can I back up and poke at some cliches? Please do. Please do. Okay, because I, I spent a little time. I'm, I have a, a group, uh, a religious abuse recovery group on Facebook of a bunch of awesome humans who are funny and sometimes hurting and sometimes doing great. And I threw out the question what, um, to them, what are your pet peeve cliches about prayer? Okay? Think about this for a minute. Do you have any pet peeve cliches that people have, people have said to you? Here's some of them. And I'd, I'd love to know if, from the audience if there's any, okay? Um, so I'm going to read a few. If you just pray more, you'll be blessed. Ah, I love the groans. Why are you depressed? Just pray, let go, and let God. <laughs> okay. They're, they're, okay, can we admit that there's probably truth to most of these cliches? That's why they're cliches. We also call them cliches for a reason. Okay, um, prayer changes things. That's an old one. Some of you, well, that'll be, probably be a little dated, but I grew up on that one. And don't forget, early morning is your best time to pray. Pray for so-and-so, her husband is having an affair. Oh, wait, that's gossip. Um, what, and what, uh, oh, then there's the humble brag. Pray that we have a safe vacation in Hawaii and Jimmy doesn't get sick last year like he did in Italy. Hedge of protection. Gotcha. gotcha. Mm -hmm. um, what about, this is a weird one. Your prayers are working. Or my prayers are working. What does that mean? Hmm. Or how about just, I'll pray for you, because they don't want to actually engage the issue or your need. Ooh, there was one on here. Oh, so leveraged by so many uh, people with power, depending on what, be that a parent, a pastor. Pray about it, and if you don't get the same answer as me, you're basically wrong. Okay. I just have to tell you, my main pet peeve, I told this immediately to Lindsay. I said, oh, I know which cliche I'm going for because it is so shaming and so damaging. And that is, if God feels far away, guess who moved? Burn. Mm. Everybody feels shame when I say that one? I do. It, yeah. So these are cliches that, that may have a thread of truth to them and actually they may have inspired me at some point along the way. These are not intrinsically 
Yeah, one of them is intrinsically bad. <laughs> a few of them are, if you don't get the same answer as me, you're wrong. That's not okay. Um, you know, but the, in, you know, the gossiping's horrible. There's several that are not real good. Okay, so, um, but some of these have a, have a strand of truth, right? They have a strand of, of goodness, maybe even, to them. But misapplied, misused, misspoken turns them into cliches and really hurtful things. Anybody got some other cliches that you're dying to tell me about? Did I cover some of the main ones that you really don't like? Anybody else have any? You don't have to, but I just want opportunity. Yes. Answer to prayer. Right. What we attribute is an answer to prayer. Exactly. And how do you interpret that? Uh, may, maybe. And to just put a, a slap a Band-Aid on it, I think, is quite uh, trivializing. I think these cliches, what we're talking about here is trivializing prayer. Um, and most of us probably don't want to do that, but it can. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Another good power leverage prayer. Claiming that I have been called to do something when it's actually just what I want to do, you know. Honey, I feel called to not do the dishes this week. <laughs> just, just so you know. You're good. Okay, he's, he's fine with that. I probably don't do him enough anyway. I pray a hedge of protection for your husband. Yes, please do. He, he definitely needs that with me. Okay, so with this, let's talk for a minute. Uh, here's the core of the matter. I really want to put some stuff out here. Do you kind of feel what we're doing here? We're trying to drop some defensiveness. We're trying to drop some, my own defensiveness around the topic. We're trying, I want to, I want it to open doors for us to let go of some of the baggage that we carry around this topic. And some of the, uh, when we head on to the barriers. I can jump in. Go. Uh, yeah, I feel like, we're like tag team, this is so fun. I know. It's like wrestlers, but we have so aggressive. Yeah, I feel like. <laughs> Gotta love her. Poor Connie, she agreed to this. Um, Poor you. Yeah, no, I feel like, what if we were to, one of the values of Cascade is curiosity. Mm. Oh. And so could we be more curious in what might work for me that might not work for you? Oh, Maybe what's beautiful. worked for me in the past but doesn't work for me now? And to, to acknowledge that, can we set some of this baggage down for a moment and say, this isn't, isn't how I need to feel about this. How do I want to feel about prayer? How do I want to feel about how I communicate with God? Totally. As opposed to, it needs to look this way. It should look this way. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, other people put those shoulds on us, but a lot of times, we should on ourselves. Yes. And so... You heard that in church. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we should on ourselves. That's not what I meant. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I think that this series kind of gives you permission to explore. If mm. you're feeling icky or weird or disinterested, push into that. What could that lead you to? Yes. What could be interesting yes. there? And that's why I guess we're given space for some of the icky, mm -hmm. some of the hard things. Mm. And I've, this is hitting the hard stuff, but I also want to remind you we want to give space for the good. In both of our stories, we have had rich, beautiful times of prayer, and that's a good, beautiful, wonderful thing. So if you're like, dude, I'm fine with this. What's the big deal? 
you're fine. You're good. Likely, you're going to cycle through some of these from time to time. But it's okay to be in a great spot as well as a resistant, more difficult spot. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, just to emphasize that we are wanting prayer to be what prayer is, communicating with the God of the universe, yeah. to know yourself better, to know who you're supposed to be, who you already are, how loved you are, how accepted yeah. you are by God. And so this isn't like another chore, like to be a good Christian, to level up, you need to get better at prayer. But instead, yeah. we all want growth. We all want healing. We all want to feel connected to God or we wouldn't yeah. be here. Right. Exactly. It's part of why I like the John Christ video is because it has really nothing to do with connecting with the God of the universe at the bottom line. All those silly rules that all of us have felt awkward about and, you know, in public prayer, it doesn't have to do with that. So it's part of what we're trying to dismantle a little bit here. Let's get down quickly to what keeps us, and I'm going to go through these, and if you've got a pen and paper, this is the core, because I want this curiosity that Lindsay's talking about to bubble up. This is not, ooh, look, you got a problem, you got a barrier, get rid of that thing. No, I want to say, ooh, what is that about? Let's non-judgmental, non it's a great therapist word, isn't it? Love Let's it. be non-judgmental <laughs> and curious. We're both therapists. That's why we're a little off. Um, uh, me, not Lindsay. Um, so, you know, we're this curiosity, non-judgmental uh, perspective on ourselves rather than, oh, what's wrong with me? I'm doing it wrong, doing it bad. Okay, one, busyness. Now, if you wrote that down, you may put a line right through it. Because I told Lindsay, I'm not letting them get by with that. We truly all have time for the things that are most, most important to us. That is not a guilt trip. That is not shaming. I'm just saying, let's get below that. I think it would be much more interesting if you actually open yourself up to say, oh, maybe it isn't just I'm too busy, but maybe there's some other stuff underneath. That's more interesting to me. Again, strange therapist, but that's more interesting than oh, I'm just too busy. So what underneath this might be more boredom? I'm going to start with that one. What about bored? It just sometimes prayer can feel boring. If we've structured it a certain way, if we're assuming certain things about it, prayer is what's called both a discipline and an exercise. People like my husband, he goes to the gym for fun. Who does that? I go because I know I like the results. He actually does it because he enjoys the process. I'm like, oh, Lord, please, me too. Um, but this is a discipline. It's an exercise. It's not always fun. That said, prayer, prayer, being prayer. But that said, there's times when boredom is in there. So let's, and this just feels like a waste of time. All right, number two, uh, three, confusion. Oh, man, this was my years post-abuse when I went through stuff at 25. What even is this thing that I am trying to do? What is prayer? What is how? What does it even mean to connect with the God of the universe? I mean, that sounds pretty straightforward, but really, is it? Not to me. Four. Dis okay, this, this has a, oh, this one touches the heart for me. It's a, it's a con combination of disappointment, grief, emptiness, and it doesn't work. Am I the only that's one the, that's felt that way? That's where the pain part comes in. Oh, it's, it can be right. so painful. I begged God for this, and it didn't happen. And that sense of letdown and even betrayal 
can be such a, just devastating. Five, shame and guilt and fear of inadequacy. Those are some other barriers. We're talking about barriers when we start thinking about prayer. And I want to say, okay, you guys don't have to raise your hands. No, no participation required. But those of you who are willing, have any of you experienced at least one of these? Okay. All right, a few of you have. Good. All right. I'm going to say that most of these, these can be, uni they are universal. If we have been going on with God long enough, it can be really they can be crisis points for us. Lindsay, what you're thinking as we're talking? Yeah, I think if we can kind of uh, change the way we look about look at prayer as it's a conversation. Yeah. And it's weird because you're having a one-way conversation, it seems. Right. And so when I think about um, when I'm talking to a friend or my husband, Coos, I don't just say, hey, Coos, I need this. I want this. Fix this. Uh, thank you for this. Uh, I, I don't talk to him that way. Except for Saturday mornings, the to-do list. Yeah, well, right? there's okay. that. All right. There's that. Anyway. Beyond that, though. Yeah, or to me. a friend who I don't give a to-do okay. list, usually. But I wouldn't put demands on them, expect them to perform. And if they didn't perform the way I wanted, to be disappointed. Yeah. Uh, that wouldn't be a realistic way to engage with a person. And so maybe shifting that a little bit. Is there, uh, what are our expectations of what God's going to do if I pray? That if and then. I think we need to get really clear and honest about that. Um, I think in the next few weeks, there's going to be speakers talking all about different ways to engage with this. I'm super excited because I feel like we have brilliant people here at Cascade. We do. <laughs> oh, such a gift. And so to notice that um, if right now we can just kind of open up space for experimenting, for being curious, could we come at this with less the groan like, oh, crap, we got to talk about prayer. It's boring. It's less exciting. Um, and more of this is an invitation to engage with the God of the universe yeah. who sees you, who knows you, who loves you, and who wants to spend time with you. And not in a guilt-trippy way, but in an invitation. Um, I love to spend time with my friends, so I make time for them. And I love spending time with them. I love having great conversations. I look forward to it. And that's kind of the feelings that I want to have about prayer, too. All right. As we leave today, may we grow more curious about the mystery of prayer. May we grow more curious about the growth of our own souls. May we give ourselves and each other permission to be exactly where we are at with the topic of prayer. With time and grace, may we embrace a more expansive and inclusive vision of prayer. And may our hearts be open to new and fresh ways to connect with the God of the universe.